0: Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank.
1: Shortly before Christmas, actually on December 8th, the United States Congress passed H.R. 8404, the so-called Respect for Marriage Act. This bill first repealed the DOMA Act, which was the Defense of Marriage Act that Bill Clinton signed into law in 1996. That said that marriage was between one man and one woman. It was repealed in this latest bill. This bill also redefined marriage in federal law to state that marriage is now between two individuals. In just 26 years, our country has totally reversed its belief in traditional marriage. What's changed? Well, it certainly wasn't God and His Word. Instead, it's a pattern of man turning away from God because we want to do what seems right in our own eyes. I'm Debbie Blank. Today, we'll look at the ramifications of this recent decision as well as some biblical examples of people who made similar decisions ...that affected themselves and all the people.
0: And I'm co-host Jackie Saylors. The Defense of Marriage Act of 1996 and the Respect for Marriage Act of 2022, they both sound like wonderful bills. Who could be against either one of them? Well, as we've said in the past, you can't always judge a bill by the name on its cover. The authors of controversial bills often give them nice-sounding names many times the opposite of their true content, to avoid scrutiny and opposition by the general public. In fact, its opponents have been calling it the Disrespect for Marriage Act because it reverses protections provided in the Defense of Marriage Act. How much of this has come about through deception, propaganda, or political and societal pressures? And how much of it has come about through a genuine change of mind and heart, The continuous slide down the slippery slope of moral degeneracy that comes when people turn away from God.
1: When the Defense of Marriage Act was signed way back in 1996, 27% of Americans agreed that gays should marry. Now, in 2022, it's 70% agree that same-sex marriage is okay. So clearly something has changed in our society, and that's what has changed. It's our society because we have been falling down a slippery slope that continues to get worse morally. And I can only imagine where we're going to be in another six or 26 years. But we're not going to focus on that. We're going to focus on where we are now, where we've come from, and how it matches up with what the Bible says happens to people who turn away from God's rules. Well, the first thing we need to look at is the biblical truth for marriage. We've talked about this numerous times on the show, but it's important for us to reiterate it because we must always stand on the truth. As we've said many times, the truth can only be found in the word of God. Anything outside of that is simply your opinion or my opinion or what society says might be right or wrong. So the truth is that marriage is a union between one man and one woman. That's what God said in Genesis two twenty-two to 24. When he said the Lord God fashioned into a woman, the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called a woman because she was taken out of man. This is the key verse in verse 24. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Now, it not only says there that a man was joined to a wife, a woman who had been explained in the previous verses, but it says they shall become one flesh. All we have to do is look at the bodies biologically and we can see that God clearly made man and woman to have a sexual relationship. It wasn't designed any other way. And it wasn't just God who said this in Genesis 2. That's enough. But Jesus reiterated the exact same thing. In Matthew 19, verse 5, when he quoted Genesis 224, thus Jesus was upholding marriage between one man and one woman. And then many years later, when Paul wrote the epistles, he also affirmed Genesis two twenty-four in Ephesians five thirty-one. So we have from the very beginning, over six thousand years ago, God said that marriage was between a man and a woman. We have Jesus reiterating it, we have Paul reiterating it. So up until, give or take, 55, 60 AD, we have the Word of God, the truth of God, affirming what marriage is. And then we have 2,000 years of history just from the time of Christ that has adhered to that belief. It's only been recently that that has changed yes there's been homosexuality and other things down through the years but it has never been accepted in society until now
0: we have a very clear definition in the bible then as you said it's clearly defined what marriage was now today we say it's something else The Word of God can't be legislated away, but in practice, that's what people are doing. That's what our country is doing. In fact, when you mentioned a man and a woman, I thought, well, we can't even say for sure what a woman is anymore, according to popular culture now. A woman is anything you want he or she to be. It's not a matter of Bible. It's not even a matter of science and biology, because you cited that. The Bible goes along with science and biology, but today we don't have to go along with any of
1: those things according to some of the laws we're passing. And it's not just marriage. We can look at evolution. The Bible has always been clear that God is the creator of man, woman, the universe, everything. And yet, in the last few hundred years, society has said differently. Not for thousands of years, but yet recently, yes. And you can also look at climate change. God is the creator of all the climate. He is the one who's in charge of everything that happens. In the sun, the moon, the stars, the skies, the rain, the snow, everything. And yet we have relegated this to climate change that man thinks they can change. We are taking God out of everything in our culture. Going back to the Respect for Marriage Act, looking at what the Bible says about sex in general, not simply marriage, but sex in general, any sexual activity outside the context of the marital bonds is considered sin in the Bible. We simply need to look at Mark 7:21, where Jesus reiterated that by saying, For from without, out of the heart of man, proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries. He mentions two things there. One is fornication. Fornication is any kind of a sexual activity between any two people that is not within the confines of marriage. Adultery deals with a sexual relationship between someone who is married and someone who is or isn't married. But it deals specifically with the marital bond and someone having a relationship outside that bond. Jesus says it's wrong. That means that living together before marriage isn't right. That means having a relationship with a person because you like them and deciding to have a sexual relationship, that's not right in God's eyes. Is God trying to spoil our fun? Absolutely not. God is trying to keep us pure pure and holy as he is holy. He's trying to develop that one relationship that melds a man and a woman together for their entire life that is secluded to that relationship and not to any other because he knows that when there's a sexual relationship, our hearts go with that, our minds, our spirits, everything is involved in that and it will take us away from him as well as away from having the pure marital relationship that he desires for us to have and he knows is best for us.
0: I was just gonna say that that heartbreak, the bonding that comes with the relationship that's a sexual relationship is so powerful and God knows that better than we do, how powerful it is, it can even create a life that's so extremely powerful that is within the realm of God. We need to respect that because he knows best. And I often think back to when did we stop calling heterosexual sin, sin? Because I think that's where we went wrong looking back to where people are saying, well, it's not really fair to criticize homosexual relationships because you think that what you do is just fine. And there's a point to that. Heterosexual sin is sin every bit as much as any kind of other heterosexual, homosexual, any other kind of sin. And we need to get back to recognizing that before we can judge somebody else.
1: That's right. So we have, first of all, that marriage is between one man and one woman, according to the Bible. Secondly, we have Jesus' own words that any sexual activity outside of marriage is wrong. And then we have the biblical principle that same-sex relationships are an abomination to God. Throughout the whole Old and New Testament, we see that. Leviticus twenty thirty-one says, if there is a man who lies with a male as those who lie with a woman, Both of them have committed a detestable act. They shall surely be put to death. It's reiterated in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, when Paul says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals. And he goes on to list several other things there. Shall inherit the kingdom of God. That's a pretty strong statement. If we choose to go away from God's principles on this earth, then we will spend eternity away from God. Finally, in 1 Timothy 1.10, we're told, And immoral men and homosexuals and kidnappers and liars and perjurers and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching. And there Paul was making it clear that homosexuality is contrary to sound teaching. So we know that the God's word is absolutely clear that what we're seeing in the so-called Respect for Marriage Act is against the word of God. And the fact of the matter is, God has never changed. His word has never changed. His original decision about marriage has never changed. So what we're seeing in our country right now is wrong in God's eyes. It's wrong in anyone's eyes who follows the word of God. And when people try to twist Scripture to make
0: you think that there may be examples of homosexual marriage or relationships in the Bible, it's really not true. It really is a twisting of it. I know people have brought up David and Jonathan, and the word for love there is just a general word for love. It is not necessarily any kind of romantic love. It says even if you love a bowl of food, you know, it's that kind of a word. And so it was certainly a friendship. It was a deep friendship, but it was in no way, there's no evidence that it was a sexual relationship whatsoever. So that's twisting God's word.
1: And on the other hand, you have the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, where it was clear that that was a sexual relationship that the men of Sodom were participating in. And what happened? God destroyed that city because of their sin. So here we have our country turning away from God. What are going to be the ramifications of this particular bill? Well, first of all, it destroys the nuclear family. The family is one of the most important institutions instituted in the word of God. And yet we're destroying it because we're saying the nuclear family is anything we want it to be now, as long as it's two individuals. But again, the nuclear marriage is our foundational institution. Society needs 2.1 children born by any woman in order to maintain our national population size. Well, and the more single families we have, the more homosexual families we have or same sex families, the less children we're going to have, which means that we will not be able to maintain our population here in the United States, and we're not going to be able to maintain it in the future. A Pew Research study of 2019 shows that the United States back then had the highest rate of children living in single parent households in any country in the world. In 2010, and it's changed a lot since then, 40.7% of births were to single women. What happens to children when they grow up in a household that does not have a man and a woman? They do not have an understanding of the male psychology and the female psychology. They don't have the balance there between left brain and right brain, between love and discipline. All the balances we need by having a two-parent family we are not having now and that balance is important to both boys and girls as they're being
0: raised boys need a mom and a dad girls need a mom and a dad they need those influences that balance
1: when we consider too that there's a lot of other ramifications to this bill there is not a clause in there that will allow religious-based organizations to be free from persecution Yes, there is a statement, but it's very broad, and it really doesn't allow organizations like ours to be free to speak the truth of the Word of God. However, I can tell you, we will continue to speak the truth of the Word of God, no matter what the ramifications, because that's what we stand on, is truth. Not on our society, but on truth. There's concerns about tax-exempt status for adoption and foster care agencies with this new bill, as well as this legislatively submitting the anti-family policies that we've talked about. This new bill, according to the Family Research Council, won't provide protection to, again, nonprofits like we are that are religious groups, religious schools, wedding vendors, business owners outside the wedding context, and even civil servants. Can you imagine, since this is the law of the land, that anyone who works for the government is going to be required to do things that are against their conscience and against their personal beliefs? So we are falling down this slippery slope of turning away from God and of potentially losing our civil liberties that we have from the Constitution. We have to ask ourselves, how did we get here? Well, we've got a long list of how we got here, but some of the main points go back to 1962 when the penal code was revived, allowing homosexuality when previously it had been punishable by imprisonment. In 1962, prayer was taken out of the schools. In 1963, Bible reading was taken out of the schools. In 68, the Supreme Court struck down a law criminalizing the teaching of evolution, which opened the door to teaching evolution in the schools and got rid of God. Of course, we have Roe v. Wade in 1973. This really started the free love movement because if you got pregnant, you could take care of your pregnancy. It was all about sex. It wasn't about people and life. That's where we lost a huge battle in this country. Because all of a sudden, for the first time, life was not of value. And with that, then eventually came assisted suicides. We have that now legalized in 10 states. We have comprehensive sex education in schools starting in the 1980s, which was horrible back then. But now it is so bad, I can't even read on air what these kids are reading in school because it's pornographic. We have, of course, the 2015 Obergefell v. Hodges decision by the Supreme Court, which solidified same-sex marriage. And you might say, well, if that did, then why did we need this new law? Because people are afraid that the Supreme Court's going to overturn Obergefell versus Hodges, so they wanted, in effect, the law that would protect same-sex marriages. And then, of course, from the Obergefell versus Hodges, we've had boys and girls' bathrooms, boys and girls' sports. We've had transgender reading in the public libraries, which they're having now all the time. And yet, Kirk Cameron is not allowed in the 50 public libraries that he requested to be allowed to speak in and read his book because that wouldn't match up with the values of that particular area. You can't read Christian material, but transgenders can come in and read their material. We've just gone down this slippery slope, and the fact of the matter is, it's only getting worse. Because as of several years ago, 64% of Americans believe that moral truth depends on the situation. So if I wanna do what I wanna do, it's okay. I can do whatever I wanna do. That's where we are. That's where we're going in this country. As we look at all of those
0: things that you listed, Just one came after the other, and you can see how one caused the other one and opened the doorway to the next one and the next one. You know, it's one of those things that it's easy when you look back on it. We can just see that. But when we were looking ahead, it wasn't as obvious to us. And so people didn't take a stand for God the way they should have at each of those moments in time. God was the one that knew. He told us from the beginning. If we had stood strong for him at those times, it probably wouldn't have happened. But As you said, it's a slippery slope, and sometimes things happen, and we just don't realize it until we're already in the midst of it.
1: Oh, yes, but we should have, because the Bible warns us. The book of Judges specifically is an intriguing book that details nearly 350 years of Israel's history. During that time, we see seven different cycles of how Israel became apathetic towards God. In other words, they weren't concerned about what God wanted. They lacked interest in getting to know God or following him. So then that apathy led to apostasy, which is turning away from the truth. And then finally, that slippery slope led to anarchy, which is the absence of law and order. That's where we're going now. We've gone from being apathetic to being away from God or following apostasy to anarchy, which we've seen a lot in our country the last few years. Let's look in the book of Judges just for a few minutes to see what happened to them. In Judges chapter 2, We're told in verse seven, people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua, who had seen all the great work of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. So I think of the United States, our people followed God because of all of the founding fathers of people who first came over on the Mayflower, their relationship with God, the way they trusted him, the way our country was built, the laws that we developed, we followed God. That's what they did at that time after Joshua. But then it says in Judges 2.10, And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them, who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. So we have a third generation here. In our case, it might be a tenth or twelfth generation. Here we are down from our founding fathers, who don't know the Lord, who don't have that nationalistic fervor and don't have that spiritual fervor from the Lord. That's what happened then. That's what happened now. So when they got to that third generation, what did they do? It tells us then in Judges chapter two, verse 11, then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Baals. That's other gods. We don't serve other gods when it comes to worshiping little statues, usually. But our gods are power and money and sex and all the other things that are out there that take us away from God. So they did evil. That's what we're doing. They've started worshiping other gods rather than God. It says in verse 12, and they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were around them. And they bowed themselves down to them. Thus, they provoked the God to anger. That's what we're doing, exactly what we're doing in our culture. Verse 13 says, so they forsook the Lord and served Baal and Asherah. What's the consequence of that? In verse 14, and the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and he gave them into the hand of plunderers who plundered them, and he sold them into the hands of their enemies around them so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Now that is a sobering statement. God gave them over to plunderers, to their enemies. What's gonna to happen to the United States if we continue to go down this slippery slope? God's gonna do the same thing to us that he did in the Old Testament. These are Old Testament principles that apply to us today because there are consequences to our behavior.
0: There's one question that comes up that I used to hear even before Obergefell was passed and gay marriage was legalized, but I've heard it since too, and it is, Why is it that my gay marriage is a threat to your heterosexual traditional marriage? And what do you have to say about that on an individual level or on a a broader scale?
1: Well, the first thing is, it's not a threat to me. It has nothing to do with me. It has to do with the truth of the Word of God. Everything God said in His Word is true, and it's righteous, and He's put it there for a reason. And we've seen some of the reasons, and that is that when we go outside of the marriage bond sexually, whether it's heterosexual or homosexual, you can get venereal diseases. It's said that over a fourth of the United States has a venereal disease, and pretty soon it's going to be half to three quarters. Well, those are consequences to a sexual relationship that doesn't match up with God. You also have AIDS that is a sexual relationship, uh, primarily a homosexual relationship, God knows what helps us and God knows what hurts us. That's why he gives us directives in his word. So the first and most important thing is it's against God's word. Secondly, I am not against people, against individuals at all. I'm against anything that goes against the truth of the word of God. I am for anything that stands for the truth of the word of God, because I know it's best. I know it's best from God's standpoint. I know it's best for us. Everybody just kept saying, oh, it's just love, just people in love want to get married. Well, we found out it's a lot more than that, because that opened the door to allow a lot of abominations and things that are hurting other people, like the boys in the girls' bathrooms and the boys on sports teams and all those things that are harmful to our society and to other people. So when we deviate from God's perfect plan, there are major consequences,
0: any deviation, I guess, in the nautical world, if you're just deviating by just a little bit of part of a degree, that chip is going to go way off course. And so I think that is kind of what happened was on an individual level, somebody's gay marriage does not threaten my marriage at all. But what happens is when we institutionalize something, when we change what the tradition is or what the laws are whatever for an entire society then those other changes came about in the obama administration there was a safe schools czar and people thought that sounds good it's going to keep people safe it's going to keep children safe in school and but the definition of safety and what they were talking about had to do more with bullying and people who had sexual differences and of course we don't want that to happen in the schools but what happened was instead it just opened up the door for some of those other things that you were saying the boys in the girls bathrooms and locker rooms and so forth
1: and look where we are today with children changing their sex from one to another being given the permission to do that because they feel like it we parents are in charge of our children until they're 18 years old legally and yet the schools are making decisions for our kids or promoting agendas in front of our kids, or encouraging them to make decisions that go against our principles and our beliefs. So now we're losing control of our children. We are no longer the ones who are influencing their lives. It's the schools, and the schools are doing it with an agenda that goes against the truth of the Word of God. So what can we do? Well, the very first thing we have to do is repent. We have to repent of our personal sins as well as the sins of our nation. That means we need to go in heartfelt prayer before the Lord, confessing our sins, confessing how we've turned from him, confessing the sins of our nation and asking for God's forgiveness. And then being willing to make the decisions in our lives that will change any behavior that we've had that is against God's directive. And we may not have sexual sin like we've been talking about today, but we may have other sins of pride and greed or anything else that have kept us away from truly following God. Or in our case here, maybe kept us away from standing up for truth so that we could have stopped these things from happening. And we need to confess, as I said, the corporate sins of our nation. You can read Daniel chapter 9 to read how Daniel, a righteous man, prayed and confessed and repented of the sins of his nation so that God would forgive Israel. And then we need to pray, pray fervently for ourselves and our country, pray for a revival. So prayer would be next. And then obedience. First Samuel fifteen twenty-two says, to obey is better than sacrifice. God desires more than anything else, our obedience to his word. And then once we are willing to obey it, We need to choose day by day to follow God and his word rather than following men. Now, I know that's hard sometimes because many of us have family members who are in the homosexual community or who believe things differently than we believe. And it's painful for us, but we need to remember, we need to hate the sin, but love the sinner. So it's up to us to do what's right in God's eyes to follow him. We can still love them, but without accepting their lifestyle. Next, we need to know God's word and follow it. So many people don't know the word of God because if they know it, then they have to follow it and they don't want to. They want to do what seems right in their own eyes. Never compromise of the word of God and talking to our children and grandchildren about that truth so that they will walk in righteousness. We also need to consider some proactive things like writing our political leaders, educating ourselves on what's going on in these issues. We need to do something. And we need to share and stand on our convictions because if we don't, then we will experience the same thing that God said in Judges 2.14 when he turned that nation of Israel over to their enemies because they turned from God.